Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The following big interview was posted in full for our socios, our members, our supporters at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter last season, which, in case you've forgotten, was 2018-19. Sign up there and you get these extra interviews 12 months in advance of everybody else. And who doesn't like to be ahead of the game? You'll have bonus content as well and a more interactive experience in general. For the rest of you, here's what the socios were listening to this time last year. Hello Groovers, welcome to the big interview, it's me, Graham. Our guest this time is Mark Schwarzer, whose achievements with Middlesbrough, Fulham and Australia genuinely constitute the word legend. I meet Mark regularly across the Champions League at Mastaya at Camp Now. He's broadcasting for Optus and doing brilliantly. The reason we chose him is that he had an elite career, set records, made European finals. But beyond that, He's a very bright, interesting man, a great storyteller. Middlesbrough and Fulham fans, herein lie some brilliant, exciting European nights. Astonishing achievements, big names, slayed by Schwarzer and Co. They happened, they were real, relive them. But buried in there, David James playing up front, that astonishing Robbie Fowler penalty that put Schwarzer and his team into Europe and pushed them towards glory. Then... The fallout with Steve McLaren. I haven't heard Mark speak like this about his relationship with the former England manager and Manchester United coach. It got pretty tough between the two of them. So, thank you to Mark. Thank you to the Oatlands Park Hotel in Surrey for hosting us. And thank you to Luke and his team at False Nine Films who made this the first filmed big interview. Hope you've liked it. Hope you've enjoyed it. There'll be more very soon. And in the meantime... Thank you for everybody, every single person behind us getting the silver medal in Best Sport Podcast at the British Podcast Awards 2019. Love you all. We do this for you, Groovers. You know, one of the things that, that, that your, your, your quick adaptation to England brought you and your, your feeling at home brought you this utterly remarkable affair you've had with what was the UEFA Cup and the yep. Europa League. I don't know if you love it or hate it. No, I love it. Love it. 
Well, listen, that, it doesn't. That case, you got a very strong heart. Doesn't doesn't quite mix it with the Champions League, of course. And I was very, very, very fortunate to have played in it. However, it was amazing. How's your memory? Because we sort of calculated that if you like the expression, I don't know if you do, but it's quite common now to talk about a sliding doors moment. Yeah. Where something chooses you, that, as it could have been at Kaiserslautern. Yep. yep. Could have been. But for us, that sliding doors moment that led to a real um, treasure trove of European memories for you um, is 2004-05. Yep. Middlesbrough Man City. Yeah, of course. You, you can button and take up the story anytime you like. I'm just feeding a little... Yeah. We're into injury time. Yeah. Did you remember this? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What happens? We needed a draw. They needed to win. We, it was literally... It was a final to see who would qualify for, you know, the UEFA Cup the following season. Seventh place was up for That's grabs. right. And uh, we, phenomenal. I mean, Jimmy Floyd Asselboink scores a phenomenal free kick from about 40 yards out, smashes in the top corner, David James in goals. And funny enough, I was with David James last week and we were reminiscing about that game. Uh, well, I was, he wasn't. <laughs> and it was more about the fact that in the last 15 minutes or so, David James came out of goal, put on a number one outfield shirt and went up front. Stuart Pearce was the manager and I still don't understand why they made that decision. And, and David couldn't explain to you about why he was a striker that no, day later on? No, he didn't quite really. I think it was pre-planned, obviously, because he had a number one shirt and an outfield player's shirt. So it was obviously pre-arranged. But he didn't answer me when I said to him, what was he thinking? Um, and then, obviously, they get a penalty in the last minute of the game and, and uh, Robbie you, Fowler. So, so, the, so you're buzzing at that stage. You're not now, about, hold on, that's not a penalty. Yep. So you're irked. No, was just like, literally, bewilderment. It was like, what handball? I didn't even see it. How, how quickly did you managed to cleanse the mind at all or, or were you still ticked off by the time oh you still ticked off yeah you don't really but then you've got to go right oh, you're ticked off put that to one side and now I've got to focus on trying to make the save so Rob Styles is clearing people out of his way yeah, and, yeah. I don't yeah know, there was obviously some arguments going on players obviously not happy about the decision which is clear Robbie Fowler gets the ball and you know he's going to take it and it's like okay and apparently he always he was always going to the keeper's right and for whatever reason he decides to go to my left so for me, it was like, okay, I'm just going to stay on my feet as long as I possibly can and react to his shot. And that's in the end what I did. And he went to my left and I saved it and managed to gather the rebound. And he actually kicked me in the arm afterwards, more out of probably frustration. Um, and, uh, but it was irrelevant. We, 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 uh, we hung on, we drew one all and qualified. It was like literally like winning, almost like winning a cup competition. It was really that, that emotion. Oh, yeah, the fans were going... I mean, my wife and my father-in-law and my son were at the game. My son was... I think four years old at the time and people got wind of the fact that my, my my wife was there with my son and people were picking him up and my wife was like really panicking going oh I'll give him back and we had some other people who knew us and managed to get him back and there were people that holding him up there's somebody just yeah almost yeah yeah and 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 it was like a, a real sense of euphoria around the stadium yeah and if you sold a project and if there is a strategy behind boroughs that was at that time one of the things, and you, you, you reached cup finals, yep. I was always going to say galore, would have been European football. I sat down with Brian Robertson and Viv Anderson for 20 minutes um, before I signed with them. When I was at Bradford City, Everton, Middlesbrough, West Brom at the time, who were in the, in the first division, they all came in for me and made offers for me. I went and met with Everton and I met with, uh, with uh, Middlesbrough. So the story is we went to Everton... My agent, Barry Simpson, went in and spoke to the... Johnson was the manager, uh, sorry, the chairman of the club. Went inside, sat, I went, I, he goes, do you want to come inside? I went, no, no, I'll stay. Joe Royal was the manager. 
I said, no, I'll stay outside. I was outside with my wife, and we ordered a coffee, waiting for a coffee to arrive. And literally within five minutes, my agent's walking out of the door, bright red face, and the guys, the Johnson's going, the chairman's Peter going. Peter Johnson. Peter Johnson's yeah. going, you'll be back, you'll be back. And Barry Simpson's going, no, no. He says, the minute we walk out this door, we're not coming back, I guarantee you. I mean, the, what they offered was, was actually insulting in terms of me coming from Bradford. They re- supposedly really, really wanted me because they felt that Everton was a far bigger club than Middlesbrough, which it was at the time. And, and, and obviously still, you know, in terms of history and everything else, of course. However, I was, I, I, that, didn't, that was irrelevant to me. I always felt that, you know, I judged it by the way they treated me but then, right then and there. And then we walked out and never came back again. Went and met with Brian Robson and Viv Anderson um, at a hotel in Manchester near the airport. And literally within 20 minutes, sitting down and talking to him for 20 minutes, I, I was sold. Two proper football men, two Absolutely. legends of the game. Absolutely. Told you it straight. And, and of course, the, the contract they offered me, I believe at the time, was, was they valued me. It was about being valued. It's a theme. Absolutely. The bonanza that comes from that 1-1 one, one draw and saving the penalty, it's all, it's all, as far as this interview is concerned, it's all down to you. Where would you take us? Because the, the run to the final is extraordinary in personal terms because, if I'm not wrong, there's a potential you might leave the club, but yeah. there's an injury, yeah. there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But the Knights, going back to Stuttgart again and doing that, yeah. you know, Stuttgart's unit, Dnipro... People didn't know about so much then, but are a, a, a power of their game. Beating Stuttgart, beating Roma, to me, yep. is a massive, yep. gigantic name. Oh, that was an amazing game at, at uh, what is it, Stadio, Stadio Olimpico. What, what, what a game that was. I mean, we scored after a very short period of time. Um, and then again, we got bombarded time and time again, and we managed to, to hold on. And... It but it's a, one. It's a it's a gladiatorial arena. Oh. It's hostile. Yeah, and and, and they're Roma, and where and where Middlesbrough? Like, what is Middlesbrough doing in the European competition and beating the likes of Roma? Mm. <laughs> and that, and and that's how people perceived it. I, I don't think anybody ever gave us any hope to to accomplish what we did. And yes, we didn't win it. But when you look at it, I mean, it goes down as up there with winning the the League Cup. For, for Middlesbrough. I mean, that's their first major trophy in the whole history, and first and only major trophy in the club's history. But to, to actually, for me, for them to get, or for us to get to a UEFA Cup final, that is equally as good, if not yeah. even better. And do you remember, um, because you, you lose the game against Basel away, yep. and you have to come back to the Riverside mm-hmm. and win. I mean, atmosphere, incidents, managers talk... Yeah. Tell us about Steve McLaren as a leader of the dressing room or a leader of training. Yeah, it was interesting that period of time because that was after there was a number of us who actually had falling outs with the manager, in, particularly around the January period of time. And I was one of them. Um, and I went on the transfer list and we had a massive disagreement and so many different things. The manager lost faith in me. He didn't value me anymore. When I confronted him about it, because I was told it by, by one of the coaching staff, and who I trusted wholeheartedly, and I still trust him to this day, Steve McLaren wasn't honest with me. And I said to him, you know, it's clear that you don't value me because you can't behave like that on the side of the pitch. Say what you say about me and not expect anyone to tell me. And when I talk to you about it, you deny it. And that's where I have a problem. People can't be honest. Duplicity. Absolutely. So I, 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 I pulled him up on it and I said, listen, I can't play for you anymore. Because you, can't, you don't have any faith in me and I've lost that trust. So I, I don't want to play for someone who, who, who can't be honest with me and, and, and has, no, has no trust in me. 
So I said, you're best off taking me out of the team and, and let me leave the club. And again, that whole period, again, he wasn't truthful to me. And, 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 and the, club, the club did their utmost to prevent me from going anywhere. Um, and, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't begrudge them for it because in one way you can see why they do it. In another way, for me as a player, you, you're obviously bitterly disappointed about it and, and, and it, and it doesn't, doesn't allow you to move on. Even when we supposedly patched things up, he went and did something again against what he told me he was going to do and releasing a press, state, press release to the, to the media when he said we were going to sit down and do it together and release it pub- publicly together, he went and just did it himself. And at that moment, I actually thought about going back and, and, and letting him have it again. And I just thought, you know what? You've got to just suck it up, take it, and take it on the chin, and there's a World Cup coming up. Hopefully we can, you know, who knows what's going to happen with this European competition. We need to make sure we're safe in the league and just suck it up. And I did. And there was a whole number of things that happened and he wanted to throw me back in the team literally that next game, which I thought was wrong in so many ways. I thought it was wrong on Brad Jones who was playing at the time. I thought it was wrong that on me, I mentally wasn't in the right state, wasn't in the right place. I would have been crucified because the fans were up against me. They were completely against me because they took the club side. It's been portrayed as absolutely a troublesome player. Absolutely. I was portrayed. There was a a large section of the fans that wanted me out anyway. They thought I was past it. I had to manage it. And there was only one person who was going to manage it, and that was me, because the manager clearly didn't have my interests at heart, and uh, the club didn't at that particular time. So it was, only, it was up to me to have to manage it. So I managed to... I basically put my foot down and said, I'm not playing this weekend. I told you I'm not ready to play this weekend, and it's not right on him, Brad Jones, and it's not right on me. So, and that's what happened. From that point onwards... Let's just say the relationship was strained, but uh, we, we, we made it work. It's a shame that it's that way. Um, I, we have um, very kind sponsors. I'm just going to dip into this, uh, who sent you questions. Bet365 want to know. I'm just going to perm one. What was the best goal ever scored against you? When I look back at it now, one of, one of the best goals that I can sort of kind of look at now, um, I still give him grief every time I see him, is Kanu's back heel against me at the Riverside. And, you know, it's a... It's a, a Mickey take. It was pure class and something that probably only the likes of he could do. And he's a lovely guy, so I forgive him for it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to compensate you for that generosity and honesty because I think my memory is your record against... I mean, your record against the top sides in England is absolutely phenomenal. If you go through Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United... Yeah, the, the column says one eight, one nine, one seven, mm. irrespective of who you were playing for. You, your record against the top English teams across your career is, is extraordinary. Yeah, it's pretty good. We, we, when I was at Middlesbrough, whether it was Middlesbrough, Fulham, um, particularly, that's where obviously I played the vast majority of my career. And yeah, we, we always fancied ourselves against the better teams, the so-called better teams, the so-called top six. I, I always loved the challenge. I mean, not that I didn't love the challenge against every other team. I did. It's just, I think, it's only natural. And I I experienced it when I was at Chelsea. You know, for for every other team playing against the big clubs, it's it's you're up against everything. You're up against all the odds. You're up against all the expectation. Everyone writes you off beforehand, so there's an extra incentive for everyone to go out there and prove all the critics wrong. But like, and you made your second ever game, I guess, was against Gigi Okocha. Yeah. Two absolute magicians. Phenomenal. I mean, JJ Koch at the time as well was arguably one of the best players on the planet in that position. He was phenomenal at that time. Um, and I remember that feeling, I remember, you know, that sense of 
just daunted by the task of trying to contain them, trying to to, to get a result and hopefully try and keep a clean sheet against them, um, which unfortunately I didn't, but it was, it was an amazing experience. And now, Bet365 also worked in it. Do you have a favourite manager story? Favourite manager? Oh, yeah, one of my favourite manager stories is with Roy Hodgson. So Roy had been to UEFA Cup final before with Inter Milan and lost. We lost to Roma in the second last group game, 3-1. Uh, we had Eric Nevelin came on the pitch and within five minutes got a red card. And then, I think it was 1-1 at the time even. And then we went 2-1 down. John Alarisa scored against us. Uh, Paul Konchesky got lost his head and got sent, sent off, off well. in the game. So we went down to nine men, lost the game 3-1. And we had to play Basel last game away, who hadn't lost a European game at home in three seasons, maybe. And that's including Champions League. So you can imagine the mountain that seemed to be in front of us. And Roy coming in after the game and was like, you know, in Roy's manner, rocking back and forth and spitting and like swearing and carrying on and just going, don't care. Who wants to get to a final and lose? I've already been to one and lost one. And that was it. I think it was the uh, semi-finals. Yeah, semi-finals away in Hamburg. We, we, had, to, we had to travel by bus because of the, the ash, the volcanic eruption. Of course, it was stopping all so the air we, traffic. We, it took us 18 hours to get there. We got stuck on the motorway, two or three hours on the motorway. We had the ball out in the motorway, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we got to the game and we ended up, before going out, I kind of took on this thing, Danny Murphy would do his talk and then I would finish off before we walk out. And I went on and went, right, guys, you know what? I've been to a cup final before and lost it. I want to go again. Um, I don't care. Let's just get there first and foremost. If we get there, who knows what we can do? Maybe we can take it one f- step further and win it. And Roy's in the background. He's like, he cursing me under his breath, but with a smile on his face as well. So, yeah. I mean, I, Roy, Roy was brilliant. I, I've, I've such fond memories of Roy as a manager. Um, and what he's doing now at Crystal Palace is truly remarkable. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Well, I, I don't know. I, I was going to give you a sequence of games just to see if you remember where they came from. Because I think you, you, there's a draw at Sunderland, there's a big defeat at Old Trafford, and there's a defeat to Manchester City. Sandwiched in between those games for yep. Fulham yep. is one match. Do you remember what it was? It's a nil, you've got a nil-nil draw at Sunderland, you've got a big defeat at Old Trafford. After the game I'm talking about, you lose to Manchester City, and it's Fulham 4, Juventus 1. Yeah, yeah, that's what? right. How, you know how can football provide that sequence of yeah, results? Yeah, because we, we, in the league we were pretty comfortable-ish. The focus was trying to see if we can get any further in, this, in, this, in the European competition. And the key for us was always at home in the European comps because we were so strong at home. We, we, the, 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 the stadium, I mean, Craven Cottage, I don't, know, I don't know what it was. I mean, I played there a few times before playing, before moving to Fulham. And it was always a nice atmosphere, great atmosphere. I'd say nice. That's how I always described. Genteel. Yeah. Craven Cottage before going there. And even being there, you know, it was a, an unbelievable place to play. And I was very fortunate to play it at a time when we had so much success at the club. Those European nights were something special. They were, there was a belief around the ground. Even though we lost 3-1 away to Juve and then were down one after 10 minutes... I mean, you, 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 because you live through it, you can kind of zip through the... But, you know, I mean, that is, that is extraordinary. You're talking about a very, very good yeah. Cannavaro, Grosso, yeah. you know, World Cup winning penalty Trezeguet. taker. He scores. Trezeguet. <laughs> Salah Hamidzic, who's a legend for, for Bayern Munich. Yeah. Poulsen, very, very good football. Yeah. Uh, Kandreva, who'd go on and... and they did, they did Cameron Acey, another yeah. World Cup final. That's right. They did have their third goalkeeper in goal on that game. Alex Manager. Oh, that was the one away. Away, at home, yeah. At home, they had uh, their th- at our game. Yeah. At Craven Cottage, they had the third goalkeeper in goal. Yeah, so we, we, away from home, we were very disappointing. Um, we didn't perform anywhere near as well as we could have. I think we were a little bit rabbits in headlights, a little bit, I think. And the, the fortunate thing was that away goal was crucial, obviously. And, and that's where European football comes into its element. That away goal was huge. Obviously, they scored. It's be it for me to argue with you, Mark. But it's cancelled out within two minutes at yeah. Craven Cottage. True. True. Two minutes. Yeah, yeah, true. But you know what? We, like I said to you, we, we had this belief at home. It was never, never say die effort, attitude. The crowd just always believed. And I think, I think part of it was also because the Fulham crowd, the supporters, they couldn't believe what we were doing. You know, we had uh, Clint Dempsey up front, Bobby Zoltan Giras, Simon Davies. I mean, the engines of these guys had the work rate. Duffer. Duffer. I mean, the work rate was insane. Our team, the way we were drilled, the way we played, the work rate, the way we closed teams down was, was brilliant. When you're standing watching from, from, from your end, I don't know if you were at the Putney end or the, you know, the, the Bishop's Park end. Well, I was, I was, I was at Putney end when, 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 Bo, uh, when sorry, Clint scored the, the fourth one. The fourth. Yeah. You're looking at, you're, you're just watching. And at that stage, the traffic towards you is a little bit less. Yes. What are the sensations? What sticks in your mind? Because even though it's bouncy, it's still like 22,000 people. I don't know, but you don't even... No, it's, it's, but it feels like there's 50,000 in there. It's like the atmosphere was insane. Um, I still I get goosebumps now thinking about it. How do you describe it? I can only imagine. It's like, almost like probably winning the lottery. You actually orchestrated it. You as the team, you, you created your own path. It's not like luck. Part of it, there is an element of it, but most of it is sheer determination... You've you've created your own luck. You've 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 you know you've found your path. Just the occasion. It was like Juve. We've just beaten Juventus. It's not like we've beaten 
oh, whatever, I know disrespect, we beat Basel away, which was an amazing accomplishment. Juve, Juve. But Juve, Juve. How, how did the final get lost? Because that, that must have been one of the most agonising experiences. Yeah, we, we, when I was in 2006 in the final, we were out of it with about 20 minutes to go. We were completely out of the game. And that was purely because we tried to push and we tried to get back into the game and we ended up being out of it because we conceded so quickly. Whereas this one was we never felt out of it. No. We were in it the whole way. And, I, and actually we had a large sense of belief that games with penalties, we could probably, possibly win this. But the two goals that we conceded were so unlucky. The first one was a shot from distance that took a massive big block deflection that fell right in the pathway of Aguero from six yards out and he slots it in. And then the, the winning goal... Forland clips it and it's going wide. But because Breda Hagenland is so close to him, doing his job, it clips off his leg and goes inside the far post. And you, you just couldn't concede two, two like more unlucky goals in a, in a, in a, in a final. And, and, and you, you walk off the pitch in the end just going, it just wasn't meant to be. Does that mean that you, you, you're quite good at dealing with disappointment? Because that's quite a lot of stored up pain. No, it, it, oh, it's hard to take. But you put things in perspective. So at the time, and, and it goes on for weeks afterwards, it's like, and months afterwards, and it's that missed opportunity. I remember saying in the change rooms before the game, listen, let's have no regrets. Let's not look back at it and go, we should have done this, we should have done that. I don't think we walked off that pitch thinking, if we'd done this and we'd done that, we could have done it. I, I just think we walked off that pitch going, the disappointment, being so close but so far, and to concede two unfortunate goals, really unfortunate goals. And then afterwards, you, even over that, remember that night, just sitting there and very sombre evening, it was, not, it, it was a bit of a celebration because of what we'd accomplished. You've got to put things in perspective and just go, you know what, we're, we're Fulham, a team that two seasons before stayed up with 15 minutes to play in the Premier League, went on this amazing run the next season, finished seventh, and we're in a, cup, we're in a European Cup final. Nobody gave us a hope in, in, any, in, any, in anywhere, anywhere on the planet to have done what we did. It's an amazing accomplishment, and it hurts like hell at the moment. But over time, you'll look back at it and go, wow. And putting things in this perspective definitely make it easier to deal with. Now, be consistent. That means you're a double champion of England with Chelsea and Leicester. No, I'm not. You are? No, no, because I never played a single game in either of those campaigns in the Premier League. So you... Kept the first team goalkeeper on his toes. You were there for the manager to rely on. The rest of the team knew that if you had to stand in, you'd have been competitive. If if you know if you can say that dressing room experience after the two European finals, how many get there? How many you reached elite clubs? You were part of a daily work atmosphere. Yeah. Irrespective of pulling the jersey on on a yeah, match yeah. day, that makes my argument, and I'm semi-serious about it. <laughs> and it's not just to blow smoke at you. By that, by that logic previously about the two European finals, you, yeah. you, you're yeah, a champion I, of England. I, but I was a big part of both those campaigns. So yeah. I played in just about every game of those. I mean, the Middlesbrough one, I, I missed the, the return leg of the semi-final because I fractured a cheekbone. So I didn't play against Al Bucharest when we came back yeah. uh, in that game. But the Fulham campaign, I think I played every single game. Me personally, for me to feel part of something, I had to have had to participate in, in, a, in, a, in a meaningful game, be part of that. So, you know, I, I didn't play one single game. And I feel sorry for one or two of the guys that played four games and missed out on a cup me- on a medal because they were one game short. Our lovely sponsors, Bet365, asked a good question, and we're, we're going to move to the close now. Who's the best goalkeeper in the Premier League right now? Allison. Why? I like 
what I like about him. I like his... First and foremost, I take my hat off to him wholeheartedly about the way he's adapted from Serie A to the Premier League. There have been untold amount of players who have failed to adapt so quickly. Top, top class players, world-class players. Alisson doesn't talk again. He just delivers. And I like that about him. You know, he's got this sense of self-belief. You can see it. And his stature and his way he conducts himself, the way he holds himself. He produces. Technically, maybe he's not the best, best goalkeeper. I think the, the calmness, the steeliness that he's brought to Liverpool cannot be underestimated, together with Van Dijk in front of him. But you've still got to have a very good goalkeeper, and he's shown that. He's great with his feet. All-round game is, is very, very good. Uh, the the get-out question here is, 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 is a bad one, and it's not because I'm nasty. <laughs> Lucas Neal, have yep. you forgiven him? Yeah, of course. Listen, I, I don't even think... You know, ugh, yeah, of course you can look at it and go, yeah, it was a rash, rash decision. I mean, this is a World Cup second-round game. At the time, I thought it was a penalty. Uh, my gut instinct at that time, it's a penalty. And I've watched it uh, as many as many other people, have, as most other people have watched it, and there's so many different angles you can watch it. At some angles you look at it and go, penalty. Other angles you look at it and go, he's dived. And you know what? Any other player in the same position as Grosso would have done exactly the same thing. Defender dives in, you make sure that you continue your movement so you're falling over him and the odds are the referee's going to blow for a penalty. You're an interesting man. If you go to a VAR right now, it'll, stop, it'll probably be, I reckon, be probably 75% given that as a penalty than not. I'm surprised because, one, you're a better judge. You've played elite football. Two, you're viewing it from the other side where you can't quite see, you can see Lucas on the floor no. because we're talking about the World Cup. Yeah. We're talking about a game where you have competed flat out with yeah. the team that goes on to, to, yeah. to win it. Yeah. You, you, to say you might have won, I think is, it, it was in there. Maybe it was slightly like Fulham Atletico Madrid. Mm-hmm. You're in the mix. If, if we got past that round, and then I, I remember saying after the game, we will never, ever have an opportunity to play or to beat a team of that calibre at a World Cup in that sort of position, to be in such a good position. And then watching the game, you look at the game overall, how many chances did we create? They created more chances than we did. We had all the possession in the world once uh, Maserati was sent off without real penetration. They were defensively, they were insane, which the Italians always nature. are. Which is, the, which is what the Italians do. The manager banked on going to extra time. He kept one of the players back, didn't put him on. Yeah, maybe over the course of an extra, you know, half an hour, maybe we would have won the game. You would have fancied yourself to go on and win the game. But as it shows, you know, uh, you know with Italy, can never write them off. And, and at that point, they, never, they didn't perform very well throughout that tournament. Up until that point, that was their defining moment. They went on, they eliminated the Ukraine convincingly 3-0, and they got better and better as the tournament went on. Penalty? Was it a penalty? Oh, you mean when save? you when you oh, listen? I, I when knew you're where standing he was going. there, eleven I, I, meters away from. I knew where he was going. He took. He takes all these penalties that way. I knew where he was going, and I was like, right, I, I'm just going to throw myself and hopefully get there. I just took it too well. Did it? Did you? No, didn't touch it. I wish. Uh, Mark Swanson, you're a remarkably intelligent, um, affable, and, and balanced human being for a man who's spent his life in this profession. <laughs> uh, I want to leave the last question as one that might, might give you a nice taster. Bet365 sent in to us saying, what's your f- the favourite stadium you've ever played in? Wow. My favourite stadium I've ever played in. What probably goes down as my favourite ever stadium and only because of the result. 
the performance and the result is the well it's called the ANZ Stadium Sydney Sydney Olympic Stadium um, in 2005 when we beat Uruguay and qualified for our first World Cup in 32 years and it was the significance of the game the whole history that had between Australia and Uruguay over the previous campaign and that one um, there was a lot of kind of hostile meetings and, 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 and animosity between the two countries in terms of the sporting side of things and it did, sp- did spill over a little bit um, particularly the f- in 2001 when we went out there um, yeah so that has to be because of the moment significance of the game and the atmosphere in that stadium nothing comes close to that it was 83,000 people everyone was united what better way what, what, what sport on the planet can do it no, no sport can do it as well as football can do it. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that make that ground so special. It's a beautiful anecdote on which to finish. Thanks. Mark, what a joy. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers. Hopefully you enjoyed that big interview, which was first released as an exclusive to our socios 12 months ago. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day that they're available, it's time for you to join us to become a socio. And for only £2.99 a month, you will get an exclusive big interview plus regular mini documentaries, not only all ad free, but all featuring me and bringing you interesting, funny and sometimes scandalous things from Spanish football. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. That means that once you join, you will have a treasure trove of interviews with funny, elite, interesting, revelatory top-class footballers. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast. You will help to keep us on the road interviewing people and sending that content for your delectation. If you go to the gym, you'll be slimmer. If you've got a dog... He or she will thank you. If you've got a TV, you can turn it off and listen to this instead. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rustolium. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon.